Welcome back to UCL Surgical Society's A Day in the Life series of podcasts. Our guests today are from the Aspire Med team. Aspire Med is an organisation that works to democratise medical school applications. We will discuss a day in the life of the team, some useful application resources and interview tips. It is my pleasure to introduce today, Wenton, June and Luke. So if you guys could give me like a little bit of background on yourselves. Hi everyone, my name is June and I'm currently in my final year of medicine at the University of Glasgow. So hi guys, I'm Wenton and it's lovely to be here today. And so I'm currently a fourth year at the University of Birmingham, but I took a year out of my medical degree um, to undertake an integrated bachelor's, um, which is basically for listeners like an extra degree um, on top of medicine. Um, And I'm doing mine in medical sciences with Cancer Frontiers at Imperial. Uh, hi, thanks so much for having us on. Um, I'm Luke, I'm a final year medical student at the University of Glasgow, and along with June Wenton, we co-founded AspireMed, something that we hoped would support aspiring medical students uh, with their applications to medicine. So let's go into a little bit more depth about AspireMed. So at what stage were you like in medicine and what actually motivated you to set it up? So during um, March of last year, so 2020, we noticed that there was a rise in pay-for courses online whenever lockdown happened. So this could have been um, because many face-to-face local courses had to cancel because of the pandemic. So moving online was like the next best option. So whenever um, I was like scrolling through social media, I would come across many like pay-for resources that were really like out of reach for many students who wouldn't be able to afford it. And then it felt like there was a major discrepancy between those who could afford resources and those who couldn't and the information that they would then get. So we felt that um, having AspireMed would then enable students from less privileged backgrounds to sort of get the help that they needed to get into medical schools. So that's why we founded AspireMed. And I think um, on one hand, so back in March, as June was saying, with the sudden onset of the pandemic and also schools closing, students were almost plunged into the dark um, and their education or their source of communication was kind of ground to a halt without warning. So on one hand, there was a lot of um, sort of resources and support available to them, um, sort of not available to them. But on the other, um, some organizations, as June said, were charging sky high prices. And this sort of heightened and um, highlighted inequalities that are in education and in medicine, um, which shouldn't be there at all. Um, And from what I understand, there's quite a lot of people as well who for whatever reason are being told, no, they can't when it comes to embarking on careers in medicine, nursing, healthcare. Um, And I hope that AspireMed is that sort of answer to empower young people to say, um, instead of thinking, oh, no, they can't, um, why not say, why not me, Um, and support them with their career aspirations, regardless of their background. I think in widening participation in medicine, it not only helps um, for that individual themselves, but also has an impact on patient care. So having a diverse range of people um, in medicine and being doctors and surgeons and healthcare assistants and nurses actually has an impact in social care. So why, why to to you guys, do you feel that widening participation is so important? Um, I thought that was a really good point, what you said about how doctors um, should sort of be personable. 
Um, it's, it's been said that like doctors should you know, reflect the communities that they serve, because having a doctor that you know, sort of looks like you allows you to relate with them so much better. And um, patients, I mean, they come with their own life experiences, their own worries and concerns. So someone who can identify that with that helps build trust a long way and helps build a relationship with the patients. So it helps you get trusted and it's more likely that they'll be compliant with their treatments, for example. I mean, in a very practical sense, um, as a medical student, clinical medical student on the wards, there is a lot of times where having someone who could speak an extra language as well really benefited the patient care. It helped the patient, as Luke said, um, feel less worried and more at ease about treatment they could receive and treatment options being laid out. And I think COVID-19 has been, not to sort of bring it up, (laughs) but it has been um, sort of amplified that or augmented that, um, whereby the vaccine takeout, which is sort of um, very topical right now, has been really, or a lot of people have benefited from seeing figures in healthcare who are of their background um, or of their um, culture or beliefs and represent them and putting them at ease um, with regards to the vaccination. And I think a good example of that is um, Dr. Amir Khan, the GP who's um, quite familiar based in households. He regularly goes on um, morning TV shows to sort of put people at ease about the vaccines. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because the vaccine isn't a small thing. It's something that's literally saving lives in especially like BAME communities. Um, and that's why like, I guess that's a really good point as to why diversity is so important in medicine. So what kind of things does AspireMed provide for medical students? Um, Like regular content on social media. And these could be posts such as ethical scenarios and how to address them during the interviews and other relevant medical topics like the coronavirus that we thought uh, students might be interested in knowing a bit more about. Um, But probably our hallmark event would be the annual conference that we hold um, we've had our, our first one was in August last year and it collates everything that we, we hope to provide um, with talks from the various organizations that support the medicine application process who are involved such as the medical schools council uh, UCAT, EMAT etc and we hope to sort of provide all the information that we can during this conference uh, that, that would be useful to medical applicants with their applications. I think what you're providing is a, like so important because with the rise of like medical application resources on the internet you need somewhere to kind of like centralize that information and what you guys do like in collating it and kind of making it accessible understandable and like some of your instagram posts like the infographics you make are really useful in getting a lot of information in small small sections Yeah, I think um, the beauty of sort of things like Instagram is that it's very quick information. So we kind of try to tailor um, our sort of um, organization to cater for that. Um, So yeah, as you said, the infographics are just supposed to be when people are just scrolling through social media, not all of it is educational. And so maybe if they just have this up on their timeline as well. So it's like an easy sort of quick study 
um, moment in their day as well. It might be quite useful. And yeah, we try to support aspiring medics and also other healthcare professions as well with all the sort of support and information they would need to make the best application they can. Um, so whether that just be quick tips about their interview, which is coming up um, and things like that, hopefully it can help them to be more informed about the application process. And also maybe just pick up their interest, as Luke mentioned about um, the COVID-19 um, sort of infographics that we've created as well, and um, just to make it accessible. So what are your tips for people applying to medical school at the moment in the current circumstances? Maybe it would be the part, especially now, of virtual work experience opportunities. And um, at the interview, it's very much about selling yourself as sort of um, being interested in medicine, showing evidence that you have sort of explored this, um, the area and the career. And um, also sort of, yeah, as I said, uh, reflecting on experiences where you've had sort of some exposure to medicine. And that doesn't have to be um, a placement at your local hospital. That is one option and that is a good option, but it may not be available to everyone, especially during the current circumstances. And so a lot of what we've been trying to do is source out virtual work experience opportunities, which are just as good. And that doesn't always come at sort of face value or what you see um, on the very surface. It could be something as simple as watching sort of YouTube videos of doctors and there's a couple of high profile doctors who um, sort of show day in their life as well, which is really good for this podcast as well. They could be listening to this and that could expose them to the career and being a student and a medical student as well. So there's plenty of opportunities for virtual work experience, which they can use during the interview. There are also some really good virtual work experience opportunities that are completely for free that we find online. And um, you might have heard of some of them, but there's the Observed GP by the Royal College of GPs. There's the NHS Explained by the King's Fund and um, some stuff by Brighton Sussex Medical School. So these are all really great free and um, official resources that you can use to sort of demonstrate an interest in medicine. And you can take this forward in your interview to be able to tell people how, how much you learned and how you reflected upon your experience of carrying out the work experience. Work experience is really useful for the medical schools to know that you understand the realities of working as a doctor and working in the medical profession. Um, sometimes it's not all rosy and to be to, having that work experience helps you appreciate that a bit more. And um, because it's going to be a lifelong career, it's, it's literally going to be doing medicine for the rest of your life. So being able to appreciate both the good and the bad is something that would reassure medical schools that you are someone that would be able to stick it in for the long term. I think it's definitely um, worth mentioning that it's not about what experiences that you have had or um, are sort of planning because medical schools are very aware that different people um, in different locations and different circumstances do have um, different exposures to medicine and a different range of opportunities available to them but it's more so about reflecting upon what experiences you have had or have managed to seek and what you've learned from that and what you will take forward as a prospective medical student or medical student and doctor in the future. I think a lot of people um so when you tell them like you need to reflect I think personally like especially like in the personal statement stage that every experience you have you need to reflect on it and I think sometimes it can be hard to know what reflecting actually means 
Yeah, that's really true, and definitely something that like you can um you can really struggle with if you don't um really know um such as what I did myself. So I feel like using structured formats really helps. There's the PEE point um, format, which is point evidence and explanation. So you can make your point about what you saw. So for example, you could see um the surgeon and anesthetist working really well together during your work experience, and then um your evidence is whenever you talk about that, you talk about the situation, what's happening, an explanation. You can say this is really important because it um demonstrates good teamwork. You can mention those transferable skills and say this good teamwork will then lead to um, better patient care and just more trust between the healthcare professionals. So I feel like even though it seems like you might be overdoing it, really explaining why um, what you saw and like why it's important is really um, helpful to show the person who's marking your personal statement or um, marking your interview, like why you think that's beneficial for you. Reflection fatigue is definitely a thing that a lot of the medical students and doctors will talk about as well. But using structures that June mentioned really help to make that a step-by-step process. And sometimes, as June mentioned, it does feel and like you're overdoing it maybe but it's basically just trying to put into words um in a sort of logical fashion your thought process that you already went through and so you've already done the reflection yourself because that comes with having every experience that you do have but now it's just about putting that into words for someone else to sort of see how you were thinking and how you will take this experience forward in the future yeah and I think as even like medical students and doctors like you continue to have to reflect on everything you see because in medicine a lot of it is watching and we're not allowed to do anything for like quite a while and so it's just watching and learning and reflecting is kind of part of the only way you can learn from just watching it's kind of like the only active process and a sort of more passive sort of learning style what about this is a question that gets um, asked quite often being um, a medical student and a doctor is quite an intense lifestyle and how do you personally how will you balance that um, and I think that's even more relevant for you guys because you're doing such a difficult degree and demanding degree but also running a spy med at the same time so firstly like how do you guys uh, cope with that and also how do you think is a good way to express your like coping mechanisms in an interview style? I think I'm just at the starting sort of line of my career in medicine and which should always be emphasized is a marathon and not a sprint at all. So especially over the past year or so with everything that's been going on, I truly started to realize that the most important thing you can do in medicine, especially while you're a student but and the same applies to when you're a doctor is to look after yourself so that does apply yeah when you're a student and also as a doctor because it makes sense you have to look after yourself first before you can look after others as a doctor so the power of having hobbies and activities and things that you enjoy outside of medicine shouldn't be underestimated so you should go for that walk and sort of see the friends that you were um, meaning to see virtually, of course, right now and read for pleasure. So that's excluding textbooks, do sports, bake that cake you've been wanting to. The list goes on. Taking breaks from studying and doing other things you enjoy shouldn't be a waste of time and nor should it be forgotten because it's actually quite important. I definitely think like um, us.
so hard for degrees such as medicine you're almost like a spring so you just like keep on stretching and stretching yourselves as you pile on like more work but it's really um, important to be able to kind of release a spring and decompress and reset yourself um, and as Benton said you can do that by um, taking up your hobbies and just making sure that you have ways to be able to relax at the end of the day particularly whenever you get into clinical years and you might see things um, in the wards that um, might upset you or might um, like have an effect on you in a way that you weren't expecting so that's important too and I feel like just trying to keep your eyes on the end goal helps a lot so you will you are doing all this studying in order to look after people and that's like one of life's greatest privileges and even though as a medical student you might be doing a lot of passive stuff and watching and things like that that's all because you need to learn um, how to do these things in order to um, actually do them whenever you're you're a doctor so um, I think it's important to keep that in mind too. I think there's pressure though to say like during interviews like I'm a swim captain and or I do this this sport and this sport um but I don't know Luke do you think there's a way that you can express something maybe not as like high like a kind of a leader position but an extracurricular activity that you can talk about uh, in conjunction with having um work-life balance oh yeah I think I think as long as that's something that you enjoy, that you find you can do to help you relax, um, then it's a really good point to mention, I think. Um, being One thing that I've learned being a medical student and approaching the stage where I'm thinking about becoming a doctor is that time management is, is really quite key because there's so much going on. And I suppose just being able to play a sport, having the time to do that, demonstrates that you've got an element of control over your life and the time you have already. So it's a really good, important point to mention. Um, it's not something that should be discouraged to say because it's not because you're not the captain of the swim team or um, that you hold a sort of massive leadership position. I think being involved and participating also is very important in learning some of the skills needed to transfer to your career in medicine. Yeah, and just to build on what Luke said um, and what you said as well, you don't have to be the captain and you don't have to be grade eight in a piano or whatever it is and that's not really the important thing that's good but just sort of in your interview you can just make the link between and um, doing a certain hobby that you enjoy even if that's I don't know gardening or something um, or making things and make the link between that and you can mention some transferable skills if you would like but that's not necessary just saying that this is something you enjoy to take time out of studying is valid and is very very important and a good thing yeah and do you think that obviously with covid um a lot of medical practices change and it's had a big impact on healthcare workers like of all types do you think that this is something that will be asked about in interviews and if so how do you think they will be asked about that's a really important point and actually I attended an interview recently where they did actually ask what I thought um, uh, happened because of COVID and they're asking specifically about research and which kind of put me off but yeah it definitely can be done so they might ask and um, how you think healthcare has been affected by COVID and perhaps you can mention answers such as everything being more online so now for example there are like telephone consultations and video consultations and that's like a huge steep learning curve for some people who maybe like aren't very familiar with this type of technology in their day-to-day -day working life so something as simple as that and um, that's not really directly related to like investigation or management or treatment but it's to do with like how healthcare is run 
um, day-to-day noise, so things such as that. Although I, I do think that for some medical schools that are very like research orientated, some of your infographics about like the link between dexamethasone and COVID and contact tracing regarding COVID-19 can be really impressive to bring up in an interview. So how do you think that like students could go about finding more resources like that? Um, that's kind of easy to understand because obviously big papers are difficult for for a lot of sixth form students to go through and kind of understand what's even going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there are a lot of social medias that you can go to, as I said, for those sort of quick tips um, throughout your day that you can learn. Some news articles are also quite reachable and sort of accessible as well to any sort of reader at any level it doesn't have to be research level and so BBC News is always a good go-to and sort of of the morning roundup of COVID-19 if you will but also as you said yes social medias and I have to plug our own as well where so AspireMed on Instagram where we do sort of do daily posts about topical things like this as well like COVID-19 the vaccines as you mentioned and there are also a whole host of other social medias as well yeah I think we are met is also another good one who do a lot of good resources to make things more accessible as well to young people. It's like a really important point that there are resources on social media which I wasn't aware of when I was applying to medical school. I was like the last the last place I'm going to find like advice on how to get into medical school is going to be on Instagram but that is a thing and um, AspireMed do have a really good Instagram page. What about choosing a medical school? How did you guys go about choosing yours and how do you advise students to choose their own? So there are many different reasons why you might choose like a particular medical school over another. The reason why I chose to study at Glasgow was that I felt that it was close enough to home to be able to pop back, you know, for the summer holidays or um, Christmas holidays. But it was far enough to be able to try and be more independent and like learn how to live by myself and learn how to look after myself. And so I thought that was quite important for me. But there are many reasons why people might choose um, different schools and it would include things like the type of university. So um, is it like campus based or is it sort of like spread in the city centre? If you're more like of a city person, you might want that. Um, Some universities have colleges such as Cambridge and Oxford. So if you like sort of like tight um, knit communities and where you can easily um, reach people from different subjects, that would be quite interesting as well. Perhaps like things such as extracurricular activities. So a particular university might have like a really good like surfing club or stuff like that, where you can maybe um, get involved with the hobbies that you have. And then you've got things such as like academic things like research. So if there's like a really research heavy university and you know you, you want to do a bit of research or perhaps you're a graduate and you've already done research in um, an area, you might want to focus in there as well. Yeah, the medical degree at Birmingham is quite traditional and lecture based and with some added sort of sessions group sessions with a facilitator but I know for example Glasgow has a more PBL so problem-based learning approach where I mean the the other guys can explain it much better than I can but I'm pretty sure there's and um, you're at the start of the week you're sort of set a task and you do that independently and then at, on a Friday you at the end of the week you meet up with the rest of your group to sort of discuss um, but personally, I felt like the traditional lecture-based approach complemented my learning style more, um, but others may prefer more independent study. And I know there's a sort of debate 
with medical or prospective medical students about dissection versus prosection, which was a big thing when I was applying. But um, from my experience, Birmingham offers prosection, so much like most universities. So I can't speak for dissection, but I find prosection still complemented um, learning anatomy as the key thing is to see the body structures and the anatomy in real life, which prosection still offers. We Are Medics, which is a wonderful widening participation initiative, and they recently, or it was quite a while ago actually, they posted a really good Instagram post about strategic applications. And that sort of phrase basically means to target your application towards universities that are likely to favour you better. So perhaps if you have like a really strong set of GCSEs, you might want to go for the universities that put an emphasis on really strong GCSEs and vice versa for things like aptitude tests. You'll get your UCAT results before you apply to university. So that would be really good to see, like, you know, if you have a really strong one and you apply to university that focuses on that, or if you have a weak one, then you can do the opposite. What's interesting is, um, Wenton, you intercalated, but at a different uni. And I think a lot of students don't know that that's possible. Um, so how did you go about doing that? And how did you go about choosing where you wanted to intercalate? That's a really interesting question. Um, so I, can't, I didn't ever think about intercalating before I applied to medical school. I'm not sure about the others or um, other medical students as well. I didn't know as a thing. Um, and yeah, just to explain a bit more for listeners, it's just when you do take an, um, an extra year out of medicine, out of your medical degree to do an extra degree on top. And this is just supposed to sort of enrich your experience of medical school and sort of expose you to the more academic research side. Um, and different unis are different, but I know Birmingham offers fantastic courses. Um, however, they are limited as every uni is. And they also, Birmingham does also offer the opportunity for you to go elsewhere to study, which I know is not the case for every uni. So it was definitely um, a privilege to have that. Um, so I, I looked at the ones, the sort of courses offered at Birmingham, but realized that my interests sort of were outside of those. And I looked around other universities on their websites. It's really easy to just search up on Google and um, to see what courses they offered. And I really liked the one at Imperial um, in medical sciences with Cancer Frontiers. And mostly because I sort of like small things like sort of the details. And so the course really, um, attracted me that way and I had like I did like the cancer modules it, during preclinical studies so it made sense and so yeah I just I got the permission from Birmingham I applied to Imperial and got in and the rest is history and yeah I think it has really just been sort of an eye-opening experience to have um, the opportunity to experience another medical school as well another institution and it's sort of to meet new people and also most importantly to explore an area which I'm currently interested in in a lot more depth yeah I think that's a really interesting and important point the fact that I think the first thing that students should think about is um, actually getting into medical school because that's like the fundamental and so that targeted based approach that Junior were talking about um, is like the main thing that medical students should be thinking about because there are opportunities to get like other aspects of what you want from your medical school experiences from intercalated years or years out um yeah, yeah. 
That's a really good point. And I stress that you, sh- you don't need to think about integration. Re- well, I, I personally say you don't need to really think about it now. As you said, just focus on the medical school application, focus on getting there and your interests will naturally change over time as well. I definitely didn't know that I was interested in this area when I was applying to medical school. It was something I discovered along the way. And um, so no stress if you, if you don't know what specialty you want to do, if it's pediatrics or um, oncology, it doesn't matter right now. Just focus on getting into medical school. The rest will come. Yeah. So Luke, where do you see the future of AspireMed? At the moment, um, we're hoping to, at the, at the very least, to repeat our annual conference again in August. Um, bringing together all the really useful sort of resources to support medical applicants. Um, we're in the process of think, well, thinking about developing a, perhaps a mentoring scheme between potential applicants and other medical students, because I, th- I feel that long-term follow-up and that, that ability to chat and uh, have a medical student support your application throughout the entirety of it is really quite helpful. And it, it really is something that needs to be done over the longer term because the skills that you need to prepare for the interview or time management things to support your application do need to be, do need to be built up over a longer term. Um, so I feel like that would be a very useful thing. Um, we're just in the process of maybe thinking about putting that together now. Yeah. Um, and do you see yourself still running this organization once you graduate or and like expanding the team or how do you see like yourselves and your place in Aspire Med changing or maybe you want it to stay the same? I think it's something that we all greatly enjoy being involved in and we would like to continue this on for as long as possible but we do appreciate that time commitments will come away and we'll need to expand to cater for an increased audience so we do hope to bring on lots more uh, helpers uh, along with the process maybe hand them and the organization over after a couple of years but we would like to stay really quite involved yeah and june what's your view on that yeah i totally agree with luke um i think during the whole conference and like even um now and stuff we do ask for help and the conference wouldn't have been like anywhere near as much of a success as it was if it wasn't for the help of like all the organizations and people and volunteers just as an example, we had um, 22 sort of regional ambassadors and they were sort of attached to their university and their medical students who had done some previous wedding participation work. So they're able to give us sort of advice and a bit of help on the day with the conference and also with all the preparation as well. So it's definitely always been a team effort and I think always will be. So, yeah, that's one of our, our main things. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think um, the three of us and hopefully everyone else who's been involved along the way has felt that Aspirement has been really fulfilling and really rewarding as well. And I do regard it as a privilege and and just such a lovely thing to be able to help so many aspiring medical students or healthcare students in general, be it dentistry or the allied health professions as well, to help them sort of realize their dreams and um, career ambitions, not to sound all wishy-washy, but it is true. And to sort of empower them to embark on those and to reach as high as they can and to give them that support and the confidence to be able to do it and direct them to opportunities where they can gain more experience. It's just the whole thing has been really rewarding to us. So yeah, definitely continuing it sounds like a good thing. Um, and we would hope to continue it for as long as you can. And also expand, as Luke said, to bring on other people so that they can um, 
help us and also to add to this environment as well. Yeah. What about your individual like career aspirations? Do you guys know what you want to do after medicine? I don't feel like, I, I, I don't know, throughout my entire medical school career, I don't feel like I've, I've known, but I suppose it's been really good to have all the exposure of different placements and different specialities. And at the moment, quite interested in maybe trauma orthopedics in terms of surgery. Um, I know that next year, I think June and I applied for the um, academic foundation program. So I'd like to be quite involved in research. So next year I'm um, coming to UCL for a bit of that. Uh, and who knows what the future will hold. I think that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to take an integrated degree. So I did mine in cardiovascular studies. And during um, my time there, I was able to get involved in like lab-based research, but also like clinical-based research um, with humans, with patients. And that really opened my eyes to just sort of heart medicine um, and heart disease and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think I've got an interest in that at the moment, but I don't know, it could definitely change over time. And that's the beauty of like medicine, I guess. You can always change and always even do like a bit of, different things. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things like, um, I'm not sure if there's true, I'm not sure if there's the evidence base behind it, but um, there's a lot of sort of ideas that those who come into medicine with a set idea, it can be changed around a lot during the course of medical school. And actually very rarely do you, you still do have some examples, but very rarely do you have someone who enters medical school with a career in mind and sort of at the end um, definitely still wants to do that 100%. And um, so no, there's absolutely no um, sort of um, disadvantage to changing your mind along the way and um, for example I think I started medical school and um, in sort of the end of first year second year wanting to do surgery and sort of any sort of surgical occupation um, but then that quickly moved to maybe something more medical where you get to know your uh, your patients a lot more perhaps something like GP where you build a lifelong relationship with them and now obviously with um, the degree the integrated degree that I'm doing and um, it's opened me to oncology and yeah it's definitely made me realize that academic medicine is probably something I want to continue long term and to sort of have an involvement in that but and the specialty could change right now it's oncology but it could change. Yeah and I remember at the very start of medical school and on the very first day and the lecturer asked us who wants to be a GP and I remember like one person stood up and it's really funny because about half of us will be GPs um, at the end of the day after our training. But now, whenever I talk to my friends, like more and more people are considering the careers and I think um, a career in GP. And I think that's because they've been through the placement during their um, specialty blocks. So I think it's just really interesting to see like, just how quickly people change um, after they've been exposed to certain things. So yeah, definitely very exciting. I think one more thing I'd say is that keep an open mind. Um, the specialties that you sort of think that you know right now might actually be very different once you start to explore them a bit more. Um, so definitely keep an open mind. Um, there's sort of stereotypes with different specialties, which I definitely think need to be sort of taken with a pinch of salt. The, those specialties, each one of them is so different to what the stereotypes limit them to be. Um, so yeah, definitely keep an open mind and explore everything and anything that you can during medical school and you'll definitely come out with a more informed decision about what you like and what you don't like. Yeah I think that is a good point like about keeping an open mind. I think a lot of people at the start of like going to medical school they're always asked like oh you want to be a doctor what kind of doctor do you want to be 
and they're expected to give an answer like even in interviews they'll say like explain an area of interest and even though you haven't decided what you want you can be interested in multiple things and I think it's important to always pursue those interests in some way because that in itself that experience will teach you about what you do and don't like so you can think you can be interested in things and then when you actually go and like explore that it could be something completely different to what you thought it was um and it's that kind of process that leads to people like actually knowing what they want to do yeah it's definitely a process and sort of eliminating those things that you don't like is just as important as finding out those things that you do I think that that there is a lot to gain from this episode in terms of, I think when people applying to medicine can hear from people who have actually done it and gone through the process, that in itself is so effective. And um, also like getting to knowing that like there are so many different things you can do because you're all doing such different things in med- medicine and you set up a spy med and knowing that that's even an option is like amazing to like people applying to medicine, to, like aspire to be like you guys. Yeah, I, and I definitely think um, our, our stories, our three or even four stories are um, different and they're unique and they're going to be different to another set of four medical students as well. So there's no right way into medicine, whether you're going through a quote unquote traditional way or whether you take a scenic route. There, I think I saw on Twitter the other day, there was um, someone who's had a whole host of careers and then come back into medical school in their 30s, their final year medical student. That is not wrong. That is absolutely amazing. And it has it, they, it will enrich their careers going forwards. So there's no right way. And there's also no one person who can be a medical student or a doctor. These are our stories, but you can definitely create a story of your own. And so I just say to any listeners, if you want to do medicine and you think it's the career for you, um, as long as you're sure and you think that, then definitely go for it. There's, um, you have as much of a chance as everyone else. And we're, as AspireMed, here to support you. And so are lots of other amazing organisations and societies. Yeah, I think it's very, very important to not let um, failures or setback push you back. So often, if you speak to anyone, um, they will have like a whole host of failures. I've got so many failures behind me. Um, but I feel like every time um, you don't get something, just learn from it and try again. And there's so many people apply to medicine more than once and they do get in eventually. If it's what you want to do, there will be a way into it. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting to the stage where you're ready and people are ready at different stages. Thank you so much for being on. Um, It was a pleasure to have you. Hope you enjoyed this week's bonus episode with the Aspire Med team. For more on their conference and the fantastic resources we talked about today, follow AspireMed UK on Instagram. That's all for today. Please do follow us on Apple Music and Spotify for more episodes.